Welcome to the Yeshiva Shilmala. David is away, and we have a slightly different format for headlines this week. We have two Chasheva guest hosts, and they will each interview their own respective special guest separately. We begin with Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, Merida Asra, Boca Raton Synagogue, and one of the most well-known congregational Rabbanim in the world today. He will be followed by Rabbi Moshe Taub, Merida Asra, Young Israel of Holliswood, an international rabbinic editor and columnist for Ami Magazine. Enjoy the program. This is Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, with the honor of sitting in for David Lichtenstein. When I was younger, I had a Rebbe, Rabbi Lachman, who used to say, they'll put me in a box when I'm dead. It's very convenient in our world and the lives that we lead to look at others and try to sum them up, to try to characterize them or attach a label to others, to ourselves, to neatly fit people into a box. Whether it's dating websites or shadchanim who ask, where do you fit exactly? How do you define yourself? Modern Orthodox, modern Orthodox machmir, modern yeshivish, yeshivish, kabbah, chasidish. People are regularly and constantly trying to put people in a box, sum them up, be able to anticipate exactly who they are and how they behave. But life is not so neat. And while some people feel comfortable being limited or narrowly defined, many others, including myself, see ourselves as a composite of the beauty of the many worlds around us. You know, sometimes you have a, a rav, you go to a shul or you hear a shir, and you only hear from that person's rebbe. Chabad will sometimes only quote the rebbe's of Chabad, or Chabad Chaim, quote the Rosh Hashiv of Hanach, or Why you Rabbanim, who only quote of Soloveitchik, and the list could go on. And then there's a world of people who look at the totality, the Shivan Panam of Torah, who are willing to, who are willing to swim in the sea of Torah, and to be able to extract and combine and integrate to the best of their ability, this beautiful world. When Rav Asher Weishlita visited our community in Boca Raton, he once said, quote, said the mission of a Jew is to have a litvish ahead and a chasidish heart, the honesty and integrity of a yekka, the tamimus and purity of a Hungarian, the covet of a Sephardi, the love of Eretz Yisrael, of a Tzioni, to take these best ideas and to integrate. Of course, he wasn't promoting stereotypes or suggesting these qualities are exclusively found in any of these groups, but he was asking us to not be so narrow. He was asking us to not create a tension or a battle or draw lines that divide, but to be able to integrate and to be able to take and to be able to absorb, to be able to create what you could call the Shara Kolo. The Navi Yechezkel tells us that there were 12 gates into the Beis HaMikdash. Rav Chaim Vital and his priest Chaim Shara Tfilah says each of the 12 Shvatim, each of the 12 tribes, just like they had an entrance to the Beis HaMikdash, they had an entrance into the world of Tfilah, to davening, an avenue to connect to Hashem. There are 12 Nishos HaTfilah, 12 heavenly gates, that we, our tefillos, are able to ascend through. And almost 200 years later, after Rechaim Vital, the Magad of Mezrich, and his Magad of Yaakov added, that if somebody doesn't know your tribe, let's say you don't know, you don't fit in, or you don't have a specific Mesorah, or you don't feel entirely comfortable. So the Magad of Mezrich said that there was a 13th gate. And it is, what he said, corresponds to the Nusach of the Arizal, what the Magad called the Shar HaKolo, the universal gate. For the person who doesn't fit neatly in, there's a 13th gate for that person to walk through. And perhaps in life in Hashkafa, not only in the Beis HaMikdash or in Tefillah, there's a Shara Kolo for the people that don't neatly fit in, for those who are willing to explore and be curious, for those who are willing to, within boundaries and under guidance, under the Das Torah, be able to see and experience a little more breadth of Torah. When we had the discussed of having David Lichtenstein on our podcast called Behind the Bima, he told the following story. He said his son was once in Toronto, was dating, and he was worried for his son to drive through the night. So he has his own driver, and he wanted the driver to go to Toronto to pick him up to be able to drive him back. The driver said, I'm sorry, I can't go. 
So David didn't understand. He was an employee. What do you mean you can't go? I need you to do this. I'm hiring you to do this. So the driver said, I can't go. I don't have a passport. I can't cross country lines. I can't go into Canada. So David said, what do you mean? You're in your 60s. You're a retired policeman. You're an accomplished person. You don't own a passport. You've never been out of this country. And the shock that he had for that particular driver, David himself applied to the world of Torah, that a Jew needs to have a passport. You have to be willing to travel. You have to be willing to to travel and experience and see the world and expand your mind in the Olam Torah. To be a sophisticated person, person sees the world, of course, within boundaries, within appropriateness, within halacha, when we see the world physically. And similarly within Torah, person should have a passport. You should be willing to travel within Torah. Even if you come from one base medrash, a willingness to see and experience and learn from other bate medrash. Pasuk says about Yaakov Avinu that he was an Ishtam Yoshev Ohalim. And many point out, it doesn't say he was Yoshev Oel. It doesn't say that Yaakov Avinu locked himself and he was a Masmid in one particular tent. But rather it says Yoshev Ohalim, the yeshiva of Shem and the yeshiva of Aver. Whatever yeshivas were available in his time, whatever yeshivas within the Shem Panam of Torah, within the authentic, legitimate Bate Medrash of Torah, he went and he sat and he experienced. And so with our guest tonight, we'll explore. Does a person have to follow Psak when it comes to Ashkafa? Do we say Asay Lecharav in Ashkafa? Or is there only a Mesorah or are there only rigid boundaries when it comes to Halacha? But within Ashkafa, we are entitled or even invited to be able to be a Mavakesh, to go being curious and explore, to be inquisitive, to have a passport and to travel and to go and to see. At different stages of life, should a person not travel when they're young as a Bachar in their formative years and wait to be a little bit more accomplished, a little bit more mature, a little bit more secure in who they are? We'll have these discussions and ask these questions. A student of Rav Huttner once confided to Rav Huttner that he felt that his secular career meant he was living a double life. How could I be a, from a year to Ben Torah and also have a secular career? career? So Rav Huttner responded, the letter appears in Pachet Yitzchak, Igris Uksovim, that someone who switches between the room they rent in a hotel, the room they rent in a house, such a person is leading a double life. They have two different residences. But somebody who rents a house that has many rooms is really leading one life. So we don't have to cram into one room. Can we spread out across the house called Torah and explore and experience different rooms? When is that okay? Is it okay? Is it okay not to? If a person wants to unpack and settle in one room, is that also something which is worthwhile? These are the questions with our tremendously honored guests that I am grateful and excited to be able to welcome and to speak to this evening, Rav Weinberger and Rav Lopiansky. It's a great chus to be joined by Rav Lupiansky, Rashid Yeshiva Greater Washington, a great uh, author, writer, and a spokesperson, Klai Yisrael, who regularly gives us all a uh, expression of what we're thinking or what we should be thinking. Rav Lupiansky, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, good morning, Rav Ephraim. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Rav Lupiansky, we're speaking about today the, the Indian of the Shara Kolo. There are people who know exactly what Shara they walk through to the base of Mikdash. There are people who know what Shevet they feel they belong to. They learn in a particular base Medrash. They connect with a certain Hashkafa or a certain Rebbe. And there are others who are part of that Shara Kolo who take and draw the best from everything they see and try to integrate it into one sense of an Avodah Hashem, into one derech, into one approach. What does the Rosh Hashiva think are, are both the upside and the downside? What's the value and what are the risks of not fitting into a clear box, not belonging to one base medrash hashkafa or, or path, but being able to, to carve and to find one's own path by drawing from many around them. So I think, especially for a younger person, the, the, the problem is that we tend to just pick random things that attract us. In other words, a derech, a shar, means that there's a certain um, convergence, a certain 
um, aggregation of the different things to lead you somewhere. So if I could just maybe give a marshal, imagine somebody who wears clothing like everybody else. Everybody wears the same suit. Everyone wears the same outfit. So you're kind of safe. A person who has extremely good taste may borrow different elements from different cultures and integrate it. And that person will look at as somebody who has got refined taste or something like that. But then there's a person who basically goes from house to house. So he, he stops off at the local uh, Salvation Army Depot and picks up stuff that people threw out and uh, wears it. So it's a collection of things, but but it adds up to nothing. It, it looks like the stuff that people dumped out that you're putting together. It, it, there's, a, there's a tendency, unfortunately, for people and uh, to pick different things that might be interesting, exciting, offbeat, um, or satisfy some other psychological need, and it adds up to nothing. You know, you you um, look at one person and say, wow, this person is a broad person. And you look at the other person and say, this person is, I hate to use the word, messed up person. And it, it depends a lot on the person's panemius. Is there seichel? Is there das? Is there hard work? Any Anything that, that doesn't require hard work and making do with some parts that are difficult is highly suspect. Um, I would like to use, there's a vart from this, I heard from the Sivish Shalom. I don't remember if he said it himself or he quoted one of his Rebbeim. He said, it says in the Pasuk in Kufzayin, in the capital that uh, Mrs. Farad says before davening Friday night, it says, Tobe Midbar B'Yishimoin Derech, Emoishav Leimotso. So he, it, it, the, the Pasuk means they wandered in the desert, in a, in a desolate place, and couldn't find a city. He, he, he gave it a little bit of a Siddish types, and he said, Tobe Midbar, if you're wandering in a desert, B'Yishimoin Derech, then desolation also becomes a derech. In other words, for people that are sort of muddled, wandering, they end up with with nothing in their hands. So the the um, the the clear issue is: Do you have a derech, and you add elements that are necessary for you, or are you just meandering around and you end up with a hodgepodge of disconnected things that don't bring you anywhere? So on the one hand, there's a downside, there's a danger where a person is not yes. integrated. They're not infused, right. they're confused. Uh, on the other hand, if someone is a genuine mavakesh, should they be able to experience and learn and open the svarim? Should they be exposed to different Rosh Yeshiva, but they medrash, different paths, a little chasidish and a little asfari, Ashkenazi, gedolim of different worlds. If you're a real mavakesh, Yaakov is described as Yoshev Ohalim. And I once saw a word that it doesn't say he's Yoshev Ohal, he's Ohalim, Shane right. and Aver. He sees different Bate Medrash. So a genuine Mavakish, should they be so limited and narrow, or is there a reason to expand and to be a little bit broader? I think the reason many, including myself, are so drawn to Vlopiansky to the Rosh Hashiva is there's a, there's a sophistication and a nuance and a breath. It's not predictable, and it's not only one direction. So there's a danger if you can't integrate it, but there's also a certain danger of not broadening and seeing what's out there. A hundred percent, and I think there is a Hashgacha, um, in Europe, my father's kind of Racha was born in Lita and grew up in Lita, learned in, in Slabotka, and uh, until the war, he was a grown person, 
and he I don't think he ever saw a chassid in his life till the till the DP camps actually I think I'm, no concentration camps and concentration camps I, I know I don't know they all look the same but that was the first time he met Hungarian Jews the worlds were very different even though for us Germany and Poland and Lithuania and Hungary are laughably close it's like you know it's, it's like thinking that he never met a person from Chicago but that was the reality and the worlds were extremely distinct Hashkocha has it that in America in Israel Ashkoch has brought together with a lot of mutual um, effect on each other. So the positive. So definitely, A, the general scope of Ashkoch seems to be bringing in positive elements cross-fertilization. Definitely a person can supplement, you know, no two people are the same. And it's like when you buy suits off a rack, inevitably it needs some alteration. So definitely for the person whose soul is thirstier for something to go and and to experience if it's if it's regish if it's if it's if it's doing things if it's outreach there are a lot of different things where people have specific needs and it's wonderful that we have the ability to mix and match a bit today but it's important that especially the younger you are to to have somebody give you feedback is it an escape or is it a broadening of your horizon so a there is obviously tremendous um, there's a tremendous advantage to being able to add and integrate elements. Um, th- it meets people's specific needs, but it's important that it be part of a, of a mature, thoughtful derech as opposed to what's exciting for the moment. So does Rashiva think different stages of life might might there would be a different answer to this? Meaning Rashiva wrote the book Ben Torah for Life, an incredible manual right. that every every yeshiva bachar, every yeshiva graduate should read to be a ben Torah for life. So sometimes in the formidable development stage of being in yeshiva as a bachar, or even a kol yungalite, there's you're molding and you're still shaping and maybe it needs to be a little bit more narrow to be able to chop what that hashkafa is. But a lot of times people graduate that cocoon or that surrounding and now they're trying to apply and integrate it into the world and maybe where they came from doesn't speak to them as much. It's not mashalibu chafet. So now they're exposed to, they hear different rabbanim, they're in different shuls, they're reading different things, listening to different things, and they're drawn to different things. So maybe at a different stage of life, to remain a ben Torah for life is not to be narrow. Maybe even now it'll, it'll give chizuk to be exposed to and to integrate, to discover new things that speak to people at different phases of life. Is it possible it, it applies differently at different stages? Yes, as a person, it has, it's not only different stages, it's, it's also different maturity levels. Um, for the young person who is easily enthusiastic about something, um, you know, you always are worried the enthusiasm will wane, and he'll, if so, it's, he's going to be trapped in a, in a limbo land. The, when a person gets old, he's more mature, there's stability, and he finds that there's something in different places um, that add to him, then it definitely is something a person should person shouldn't should never be content. I I I want to share uh, a, a, a his spilus I had. It doesn't need my spilus this person, but something incredible. The Volbos Rachah was Rabbi Ruchim's was a big big town of Rabbi Ruchim. And everything he wrote and spoke and said and lived and dreamt was Rabbi Ruchim. And he writes in his Ali Shur, in his first Chayel Ali Shur, that his, the, anything you find worthwhile here is, is my attempt to recreate my Rebbe and his terror and so on. Now, at the age of, I believe it's 60, um, somebody came to Israel named Rev Hutner. And Revolba was very taken by him. I remember Volba coming to the Mamorim and sitting in front with an ear bent, you know, he, he was hard of hearing, listening to every word. 
Um, and in second volume, Valeshur, he writes about how Rev, anything you find new over here, different is Rev Hutna, and he's a, he's a giant whose name will, get, will one day resonate in the world and so on. Very, very, um, it, 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 very extraordinary language about him. And I said to myself, you know, at the age of 60, most people are kind of beginning to sum up their affairs and writing their memoirs. And at 60, he was open enough where he discovered um, something that he hadn't discovered yet. And well, this is, this is, this is new. That, that's a real mevakish. But if you, if you look at the second Chalik of Aleshur, which purportedly was written afterwards, you see clearly it's an integration. It's an extension. He didn't change religions. He sort of broadened it and broadened Sfarim. He wouldn't have brought ideas, but it's, it's the mature person's thinking and understanding taking in a bigger world. So, a, it, 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 it says a lot about a person that he's still open at the age of 60 to see an, another shade of MS, another you of the MS that he hadn't had before. But you also see the maturity of, of not, he didn't, he didn't dump religion for religion. He, he took it in. He was the same, it was the same das, but broadened and, and bringing more into that. So that's how I would present the ideal. A person is supposed to grow constantly. And uh, a person is, as he's, as he's exposed to more things, as Hashgacha has him exposed to more things, if he feels a personal need to seek further, then, then of course, um, that's great. But, but with the understanding that it's, it's digested and, and sort of integrated in the person. So there are people that we listen to, there are Rabbanim or Rosh Yeshiva, they only say over Torah singularly, exclusively from their Rebbe. Every Torah is from their Rosh Yeshiva, from their Rebbe. And, and you right. can go to Chabad and everything comes from Chabad. And sometimes the Why You Must Mach, everything's from Rosh Soloveitchik. And the Chavetz Chaim, the Rosh Yeshiva Chaim. And there are people who draw from all over. And, and you, the Rosh Yeshiva, are one of those people. Again, I think the reason the, reason the Rosh Yeshiva's writings are so beloved is there's no fear or apologetics or defensiveness to draw from many of the names I just mentioned and others and to, to weave together a very beautiful tapestry of Torah. So can, can the Rosh Yeshiva share a little bit in, in your avod, in your life, in different stages? What are different Bate Medrash, different Rosh Yeshiva Gedolim, how, how have you tried to integrate it's such a magnificent world of Ashkenazim and Sephardim, of Litvish, Hasidish, of Yekas, of, of so much. How, how have you tried to draw? And are there areas that, that the Rosh Yeshiva still wants to explore and still wants to dive deeper into and to bring into his own life? Um, that's a, it, it's a hard question that a person look at himself, but... I never found it as a younger person when I was growing up. All, all the Bhutan Medrashim were not firm and set yet, and people, it was kind of normal to go to different Bhutan Medrashim in, in many areas. It just, you know, when I grew up, things were still at a very early stage, and, you know, they hadn't been set so firmly, and people would go from place to place. So that was part of natural and growing up, I guess. Uh, I was in the mirror, which were which were extremely those were formative years. But I also heard the foot at the same time, and I never felt a contradiction. I never felt that, you know each one fulfilled a different role. I then my Shapiro I was very close to, and my Shapiro and the both had the ability to draw different worlds and and be comfortable with it. it it's it's um, it, it's it's hard to explain. Ramesh Shapiro was clearly who he was, and he had a way of thinking and looking at things. He could understand so many different worlds. It was more in private conversations where he would speak about. He, he understood the mindset of different worlds and took 
and integrated in his own mindset. And that's why, to me, um, both Rav and Rav Shapiro, besides their incredible breath, which was really astounding, it also was natural. It wasn't like the much like gave of of the um, you know going and and ending up with the clothing people threw out, and that's the common denominator. I don't mean Hassan throughout, but the, you know, or the, there used to be much in my days. The difference between a smorgasbord and and a schnorrer going from kiddush to kiddush and stuffing his pockets with different delicacies. There was a a, a sense of unity. It, it, it they didn't they understood the other worlds, understood it as they were, and took it and, and and made it part of their world in a way that fit with their world. And, and it, I guess it has to do with those people. They were, they were very big people and broad people and able to do it. So that's why I'm always, on the one hand, hearing something, seeing something different broadens a person, and being broad is, is, is definitely... Uh, um, Godol includes incorporating many elements, but it, it means that the person doesn't incorporate it randomly. It means incorporating it. Um, the word derech, a derech includes many, many different steps and passages. It includes tunnels and bridges and forests and, and uh, who knows what. But the common denominator is there has to be all the points add up to, to get to someplace. So there's always the back and forth. It's, it's on the one hand, Rav writes to somebody, a letter. This person asked him, he doesn't understand why Rafunda's Torah is at all important. It's not halach, it's not this, it's not that. And Rafunda answered whatever he answered. And this person wrote back again, he doesn't understand. And Rafunda again tries to explain. And then he says, and if this explanation still doesn't serve you, then koiran yalecha. So, so he, says, he says, I it's okay, stay with what you have, and that's your Torah, and it's wonderful. That's an expression taken in halacha. There's a category in Hilcha Shabbos that if something dries out on a fire, and it's, and sometimes it tastes better, it's, it's crispier, so that's called bishul because even though it's normally drying out, but it's but but the drying out is 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 good for it. That that's the halachic meaning of that term. But he used it kind of as a uh, a, a phrase. Mitzvah for some people being dry is good for them. So people have natural inclinations, and and uh, for for some people they cannot. Uh, this is their world. It's a very intense, small world. And for other people, it's different. So the people that you speak about that have a very specific, very specific focus and perspective, and it's generally them, they hold up that base medrash. There's a famous story at my Rebbe, Reb Nochem, that one Hanukkah was Baba Basimani Yeshiva, and Rebbe Vigda Nevensal, who was a cousin, came to visit. Um, Rebbe Vigda told him over a shtickle tale on Hanukkah. Reb Nochem replied. They had spoken learning a bit. And then Reb Nochem pointed at Baba Basra, and we were holding in a sugya called Rakik. That's a, it's, it's, it's a tumma sugya. That's something blocking up a wall. It, it, it's as far removed from Yontif tale as you can get. And Reb Nochem told him, you know, this is our Hanukkah. And this is the world. That was, Reb Nochem's world was, 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 was Gemara, Baba Basra, Baba Kama, this was our world, and that was Reb Nochem. It was generally Reb Nochem. That's why it had such a positive impact in Shiva, because that was his world. Uh, Reb Shapiro told me he once went to visit Reb Nochem on Leil Hosanna Rabbah, 
and he walked into Nachum's sukkah. And Nachum was sitting with a Trumas Akri. Trumas Akri is a brother. It's, it's, a, it's like a part of the Ketais uh, in uh, Sefer. And Amosha told me I had tears in my eyes. He said, there's one Yidin Shalayim who's Hashanah Rabbah is Trumas Akri. Now, Ramosha Tira was into Kabbalah, was into many other things, and Hashanah Rabbah but there's somebody in line, this is a Shana Rabbah. And and it was there was there was a there was a Shlemus in it. This was twenty four seven him. And it was very beneficial to sit and learn about the Kama from somebody who's totality is immersed in it. But different people are different. And uh, Ramesh Shapiro found other worlds that he needed and incorporated them. So it depends on the person. It is certainly a person who who has needs for other halakim th- that has to be incorporated. It, he's not going to be happy till it's till it's there. And this is his derech. But the caveat is always that it be done on a certain basis of solidity, maturity, and derech. It's going someplace. You see, the person is is growing and not just spread all over. Because I, I wish we, we have so much more to talk about in this area. We only have time for one more question. The Rosh Hashanah could talk about what, what's the beauty from different communities. If we could describe what's worth integrating from the Litzvah and Shivash and the Hasidah and the Yekas and the Sardim. What, what is the Rav when he looks at each of these distinct Hashkaf, Hashitas, Batei Medrash? What's, what's worth admiring and trying to learn from one another? So... And I will start with the with the tzibur that is my tzibur. Obviously, the main I come from literature background, and in, in, in both my father and the uh, yeshiva and so on. I would say that the central part of the person be seichel and das, and the way things with seichel and das act act upon uh, the seichel and das. That I think is very. Uh, Again, this is my my world, my chinuch, and that at the end of the day, people have to be able to use das to decide where and how we're going. There's the warmth of Hasidus. There is the um, dignity of different groups. And again, I don't even have to name the groups. Learning dignity, learning integrity, learning um, how to deal with the world outside in a way that evokes respect in terms of how we interact with people, how we conduct ourselves, how we articulate ourselves, um, doing things with passion and, 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 and dedication. I think many of those qualities, depth in understanding um, our, our connection to Kaddish Baruch Hu, which sort of crosses the Hasidic and the world, which I guess Chabad was sort of the protagonist of it. All of these, so I would say the, the, the das and the control that the das has over the person if of the literature world, I would say the warmth and the sham of the Hasidic world, I would say the dignity of the Yekisha world, the presentation, articulation of, of the people who, who try to, to, I guess in some ways comes off the actual, but try to present ourselves to the world and interact in the world in a way that brings about Kiddush Hashem, because you see the, the person is not cutting corners, the person acts and conducts himself with Derech Heretz, and the people forget Derech Heretz doesn't only mean working for living, Derech Heretz is, is a way of conducting yourself, a way of presenting yourself. Um, the the, the, the the passionate commitment that I think some of the Sephardi worlds have, the beauty that some of them have, it, it's, you know, they also consist of many, many worlds. Those, those are the things. And I think Hashkachas brought it together in ways that it, it was unthinkable. People, it, people in Europe probably didn't know Jews existed in Yemen and vice versa. And today, HaKadosh Baruch who has made it that on one block, 
you can have this, this, and this. Is this the signs of of, of gula? I don't know. But but uh, walk in big Jewish communities, and you're able to be to to be tying things that you never had before. Um, the the fact that the you know you have an etzisrol, the, the the integration of different communities, the mass has brought um, has brought some some conflict, but has brought a lot of um, mutual gain because we're able to pick up good things. Lepiansky, it's such a beautiful image and a beautiful description and, and really brings it all to life. Thank you for all that you do and thank you for spending time with us today. Okay, the Seder Kolter and Yashakar for what you do. I know the same Shem Holof Fanecha as a Rav who is a model for Abanim and does the same a lot of Katina Tzlocha. I understand correctly the Boca community is one of the most growing, if not the growing Jewish community in, in America. And does Hashem, Shigo Mikhail Al-Chayel, does Hashem. Okay, hi, good. Thank you. It's a great schuss to be joined by one of my rabbeim, Rav Moshe Weinberger, Rav Weinberger, the Rav of Ish Kodesh, and the Rav of so many around the world, inspiring and lighting on fire. Rav Weinberger, thank you for being with us. Thank you. So Rav Weinberger, there are people who feel very comfortable being locked into a particular hashkafa. They were raised, they grew up in a certain way, a certain derech, a certain yeshiva, and they wear that uniform. They identify in that way, hook, line, and sinker, and they go weiter. But there are other people, I had a Rebbe who used to say, you'll put me in a box when I'm dead. I don't fit into any one box. I take the best from all the worlds that I've been exposed to and everything I've been involved in. So what does Rav Weinberger feel about that approach, that attitude to life? Does a person have to be locked into one ashkafa, not in halacha? When it comes to halacha, we have a Rebbe, we have a psak, we say ha But do we say ha Does a person have to follow one psak? When it comes to a derech hachayim and a hashkafa, or can we take from it and integrate the best of all the worlds that we see and experience? So I think that I think that David Melech answered this question a long time ago, and one doesn't have to really venture deep into Tehillim to get to it. It's the very first pasuk. It's the beginning of Tehillim. Besaros Hashem Cheftzo. Besaros Yega Yom Velayla. Besaros Hashem Cheftzo means that the ultimate goal is that a Jew should have a Cheftz with Hashem. Again, we're not talking about halacha. We're talking about in terms of kirvas elokim, closeness to Hashem. Besaros Hashem Cheftzo. The Gemara in Avodas Zarah few tests tells us that Rebbe said Lo Yilmod Adam. Ella mimakam shalibai chafes. That a person's learning should be mimakam shalibo chafes. Ravis is over there, bamakam. But Rebbe says, mimakam shalibo chafes. And Taisus at the beginning of Bava Mitziah, we see that even though Rebbe had a seder of Mishnais, a specific seder of how to give over Yiddishkeit, nevertheless, he he, when he saw that the Talmidim had a chayfetz, a chayfetz, to learn something else, to learn something different, he would learn that with them. The point being that the tachlis is kirvis elokim, kirvis elokim. And therefore, the Nitziv writes at the end of Pasha Shlach, in the Hamikdover, he brings from Kahelis in Parachas, where it says in Pasuk, it says, Vahalech bederech libcha, and Vahalech bederech libcha, go according to your heart. Then Siv there says specifically and very clearly that every single neshama has a different shurish in Shemaim, has a different avoda in Shemaim. We keep all of halacha, but when it comes to, when it comes to bederech libcha, every Jew has to find his own way to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if you force some other way that does not fit you, it's not going to work. It brings a churban, which, which in its Sibs Talmud, Rav Kook writes, writes a lot about in the Orzator and Perak Tess, about how the churban of, of Yiddishkeit that comes as a result of people being forced into a certain box, in terms of their hashkafas being forced into a certain box, which is not lefi, the shorish of who they are. And as a result of that, they're, they're miserable and they're not getting close to Kodesh Baruch and they begin to turn away from halach as well. So even though it would be very, very sweet if everybody did 
follow a particular Besamedrash that they were raised in, in terms of their Hashkafas. But each person is unique, each person is different, and has to find his own way within the Mizgeris, the framework of, of Halacha. So that, that could explain why a person could maybe change from one Shevet to another. So if there's Yud Be'i Shvatim, you could change from this Derech, you go from being a Litvish to Chassidish, you go from being a Yeket to a this. But is there a precedent of taking from all, of integrating everything, of not just switching and then joining another Mizgeris, but of creating one's own, so to say, by combining, by integrating, by connecting the best of everyone. Right. So, the, you know, one of the great mashpim in, in the world now is a, a big tzaddik, originally from London, Rabit Shemaya Morgenstern. And Rabit Shemaya has written in many, many places that we see this transformation, that before Mashiach comes, we see such an interesting tofa'ah. This is happening uh, This is happening all over now, whereas it used to be that you lived in a certain Dalat Amas of that particular tzaddik or that yeshiva or that rav or that mashpia. You lived in the Dalat Amas and that's what you had access to. And you would, you would, you would connect to that particular mahalach of that tzaddik where Hashem sent you. But what Rabbi Shemaya speaks a lot about is we see that before Mashiach comes, there is this remarkable thing that's taking place where there are Jews who are drawing from all over. Uh, the the, the, uh, the Chavakuk, uh, that Chavakuk, Chabad and Breslov and Rav Kuk, there are even some that want to put in Karlbach instead of Rav Kuk or together, or they put in Kamarna. According to each one, now I know that this is, uh, for many people who are the old school and traditionalists, this seems like a billable. It seems like something which is very confusing. And if there's a person who is doing this just by having, in order to have a Yiddishkeit, that's sort of like a smorgasbord that uh, that fits his tastes and his needs on any particular uh, Tuesday in Teves, he's grabbing from this tzaddik, he's grabbing from that Torah, from this chassidus, from that, then then the, then the that could cause terrible confusion and terrible bilbulim. And it's just a way of avoiding, uh, it's just a way, it could be a way of avoiding a serious commitment to uh, to a way of thinking and a way of serving Rish Baruch Hu. But what Rabbi Shemaya speaks a lot about in other tzaddikim, and I've seen this, and I've discussed this many, many times with different tzaddikim from all the different chassidists and from the different yeshivas, that this is remarkable in our times how there are people who are finding a, an ability to grow davka by taking from different batim adrashim, the best of those batim adrashim, and sincerely with hadracha from uh, an Adam Godel. There needs to be Hadrocha from a person who's overseeing this. It's not. It's not Hefker. One should not just t- take and pull and. Be, this should. It should be. It should be with the with the oversight of an Adam Godel who has an appreciation, a familiarity, and a love for all of these different ways in Yiddishkeit to help this individual find his kirvus alakim by means of by means of connecting to different different. Um, uh, different Batimidrashim. Someone once described to me the beauty of their yeshiva, of their base medrash. You'll find in the shelves in their base medrash, in the same bookcase, there's a Beis Alevi and a Kedushas Levi. Right. In the, same, in the same bookcase, in the same shelves. So to be clear, there's no judgment or criticism of the person who says, I'm, I'm bought in hook, line, and sinker. I'm, I'm Chabad all the way. I'm Chavetz Chaim all the way. I'm Lakewood all the way. I'm YU all the way. So my Rebbein, this is my Shita, this is my Ashkafa. I don't need to travel and journey and visit and take in. The person who's comfortable, and that's Libo Chafetz, is to be there. There's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. And and there are many times in my life I've wished I could be such a person. That if you have found that, and Hashem has brought you to that place, which is the ma'ayan, the wellspring of your life, and you feel connected to that in a deep way, and that speaks to you, and and these are great people, whatever it's Lakewood, Chabad, Chavetz Chaim, whatever that yeshiva is, or whatever that chassidus is, uh, 
That's the most beautiful thing in the world. And it, and it doesn't mean anything negative about the people who have not found that. The, the Ramchal writes in Adir and Adir Bamarum, in Perik, in Perik Hay, in Adir Bamarum, the Ramchal writes that the Torah must be ultimately completed. The completion of Torah, Torah began by Har Sinai. It goes through the years. And each person has his chalik from Har Sinai. And each one of us must, must fulfill that chalik that we have to, to complete from Har Sinai, and only then will Torah be bishleimus. It's not just about us feeling good about ourselves, it's doing what we were sent here into the world to accomplish. If you have found that that's your chalik, which means it speaks to you in a deep way, it brings you closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. it makes you into the Jew who's more careful with Shemiris HaMitzvahs and Kedushas HaYahadas, so then, then, then that's that's wonderful. That's fantastic. But those individuals should not chalil look down upon those the others who are taking from different places and serving Hakadosh Baruch Hu to the best of their ability. And sometimes you could have from each one of these chavers that they look down upon the, somebody who is different from them. That lechol days is something which is in, which is not appropriate. So could the Rav speak a little bit about his own personal experience today? The Rav is seen as a father, a founder, a leader in what they're calling neo Hasidus that clearly identifies of a Hasidish world and worldview. And while that's the Rav's family's Misora, the Rav didn't grow up in a base medrash of Hasidim. So what is the best of the different worlds that Rav Weinberger tries to draw from? The Olam HaTorah, the Olam of the base medrash, the world of Brisk, of, of, of Alumdus, of a Litvisha world, combined and integrated with Hasidus. What, what in, the, in Rav Weinberger's background and what today continues to inform the Rav's integrated attitude? Look, my, my rebellion were were great, great tzaddikim Rosh Hashivas from the Litvisha Welt. And I have a tremendous love and connection to that. My Rebbe Rabdav Lifshitz was a Talmud of Grodna, of Reb Shimshkop. That's my Mahalach in learning that's been like that for, for 45 years. Uh, I was by Rev Soloveitchik. The world of Brisk speaks to me in learning in a very, very deep way. In my Avedis Hashem, I come from Hungarian Jews from the world of Pressburg, the Chassam Seifer, not from Chassidim. Not from, even though my, my grandparents went to Rebbe's, as was often the case in Hungary, that, that the uh, Hungarian Jews felt a connection to, to Chassidish Rebbe's. But that was not something that was given to me in the Messiah from my, from my parents. Hungarian Jews, the world of the Chassam Seifer and, uh, and Pressburg, that were my ancestors learned that's what was given to me i felt a thirst i felt a certain need and and i began to search from the time that i was probably 11 years old 12 years old i have to remember that in those years for somebody who really was not fluent in yiddish because i wasn't to be able to connect to something uh where, where you could hear in english and speak to people about it in english at that time i was naturally drawn to to chabad and I went to many, many of the of the uh, Rebbe's Fabrangans, and I felt a deep connection to that Torah of Chabad, and that really sort of got me started into the world of Chassidus. Uh, at the end, I did not become Lubavitcher Chassid. That's not for a conversation here. I have tremendous love for the Rebbe and for, and for the Chassidus, but I, I stayed more within the world that I was that was I was given to me by my father in terms of my own mahalach in life, but. In limudim, in my learning, energized my avodas Hashem. I began really, really with Chabad and uh, in Chasidus. I was learning a lot of Maharal before that. A lot of for years, I was learning Maharal and I was learning Ramchal as the Yisod for Chasidus. But then I began to learn Chabad Chasidus. But from there, the entire world of the Baal Shem Tov opened up to me. And and then uh, I I was hearing people telling me, don't don't go to Rabbi Nachman, don't go to Rabbi Nachman. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yes, of course, he's a great tzaddik. Everybody knows he was a great tzaddik, but. Watch out, watch out. It's strange. It's not for you. It's not for you. Uh, and I found out over the years that it definitely 
is for me, and I believe it's for everybody. Um, and I and I began to learn later on. I began to learn a lot of rest of Chassidus. And at the same, while keeping up all of the years, keeping up with my regular learning and my love for Musa, I'm very connected to Rabbi Yerucham, I'm very connected to Rabbi Chaska Levenstein, I'm very connected to Chavaz Chaim Stars, I'm very connected to Rabbi Dessler. And, and, and over time, I began to see that there were, that what, what I was told, what I imagined were the walls that divided between these worlds, I began to see that these, that these walls were not the, what, I, what I originally thought. And then, I, and then finally, I discovered Rav Cook, and Rav Cook. Rav Huttner and Rav Cook, that, that world is a world where there's, a, where there's an integration. Both of them came from one side, Chassidim, and the other side, they came from Misnagdim. And both of them represented to me a, a, a beautiful integration of those two worlds, Reb Tzaddik, Svas Emes. And, and now in our times, we see that even in terms of the Mashpim in the world, Reb Tzimayr, Reb Tzimayr, even though he learned by, by Amshnov, but he draws from all of Chassidus, Rabbi Shemaya, all of Chassidus, and not just Chassidus. Both of them learned in non-Chassidus yeshivas, and both of them are drawing from all of the Svarma Kedoshim, and, and many, many other mashpiyim now, even in the, in the, in the Litvashevel, we see that the Svasemis, Rab Sadik, Tanya, and other Svarm are becoming part of the, of the, uh, of the way of Limit, with this, with this longing for Kirva Salakim, which we're beginning to realize before Mashiach comes, that all of these Batimid Roshim together come together, and and that's the vision, I believe, of Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, that we're seeing in our time. There's no time to go right now into this Indian of Roch and Lay, Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben Yosef, in terms of the Litvish the Svadish Shavelt, the Chsidish and, and the Yakish Shavelt, Rabsham Shavel Hirsch, I learned his form as well. But Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David means that the vision of the end of time is that all of these rivers return to the sea. And all of the rivers are returning to the sea, and I'm surfing. I'm surfing on these rivers. That's my life. I'm surfing. Rav Shamsh, Tanya, Breslov, Rav Cook. So I know that there are people that look at this as 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 confusion, and uh, I I uh, I don't feel. I don't believe that, and I've discussed this with many tzaddikim. It's an infusion into my life, not confusion. It's brought the greatest beauty and the harmony to my life, and I and I and I try with all of my heart, I daven for Hashem to help me to, to see the beauty in all of these batamid rashim and each one, and 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 whoever finds himself and is able to plant himself completely, one thousand percent in any of those batamid rashim, that's good. It just doesn't speak to me, but I I admire them and I love them. So we have time for one last question. What what does the Rub specifically admire, see, try to draw from from different worlds? What what what's the beauty of the Yekish world, the Svarish world? What does the Rub take from the Litvish world, the world of, of the base Medrash integrate with Hasidus? And is there a world that, that Rav Weinberger has not yet explored that that Rav Weinberger has a craving, a yearning, is curious, or wants to look f- deeper into or integrate more into Rav Weinberger's life? Uh, each one of these Batimajosh and the Yakishavelt, the Erlachkeit, the Erlachkeit. Of the Yekishavelt, the Seder, the Musa of the of of, of the Yekishavelt. It's something which is absolutely remarkable. The love of Torah from the Litvishavelt. Where do you see such a harvest Torah? What I saw by Merbeim, a love of Torah, an unbelievable harvest Torah that that even my wife's grandmother, Zechron Levracha, she was she was from from a town, a little village outside of Vilna. When you say the word to Rab Chaim Oizer, she would begin to cry, and she even though she could barely read. She could barely read. But when you say Reb Chaim Oizer, she would jump up at the age of 98. She would jump up from her, from her chair. Reb Chaim Oizer, what do you know about Reb Chaim Oizer? I saw Reb Chaim Oizer. I saw Reb Chaim Oizer. And, and, and you know what she used to, you know, she, she gave my wife and I for an anniversary present? Rav Gustman's Chidushim. <laughs> she doesn't even know how to read the word Gustman. 
But she gave Rav Guzman, she said, she said, she said that my husband and I were very close to Rav Guzman. We're very close to Rav Guzman. This is something you need to learn this, Maisha. You need to learn this, learn this. The love of Torah, even by the simple women. Where do you have such love of Torah as in the Litvish Shevel? In the, in the, in the Hasidic Shevel, Ahavis is all the love of other Jews, the pastors, the simple love of other Jews that, that you'll see even now that, that when there's that sorrow, there's anything that, that right away, Every you know what if you you didn't like Sabra until you had to be God forbid in the hospital and and then you had a big chaylum and uh, with everything with the misaskim oh, I don't have to go into this right now the svardisha the amuna the fire of their amuna the fire of their amuna who has such amuna like the svardisha it's unbelievable each one of these batim adrashim each one of these batim adrashim there's to talk about for hours and what to draw from each one of them the beauty and the love of Torah of Klai Yisrael from the misnachlim where do you have a fire of Eretz Yisrael from the from the chevron Yisrael, the the Misnachlim, the the Hezdechever, the love of Eretz Yisrael, the Devekus to Eretz Yisrael. Where do you see such a thing? It's from each we have to learn. What I haven't, what I feel that at this point in my life I haven't spent enough time exploring is really the Svardasha Sadikim. That's I'm thinking about going to Morocco for a bit, and uh, and uh, I'm now I'm now I, I've started in the, with the Rashash over the past few years. And I've been connecting more to that. Uh, I don't teach that publicly, but that world of that, that Masorah of the Svardim, which I have many, many Talmidim over the years, Svardim Shechever, and I have many friends and so on, but I haven't connected enough to that. I have to cross over the ocean to get to that. And that's my, my latest undertaking is, is, is that world of the Rashash and the Svardim Shechever and the Ben Yishchai. thank you so much for your time, your insight, and your wisdom. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Welcome to Headlines. My name is Moshe Taub. I am guest hosting for the peerless and the inimitable Rav David Lichtenstein. So, of course, I want to thank Rav David for giving me this wonderful opportunity to speak to so many across the globe. It's just amazing how popular Headlines is. Now, when I had this course to be a guest to Rav David, my focus was always halacha. But I really wanted to challenge myself this week and to take advantage of this opportunity to learn together, to zamen with the audience. And in light of this, I will be having together with you two fascinating guests. The first one is Rabbi Eliyahu Ephraimson. Rabbi Ephraimson is the founder and director of a new organization just a couple of years old called Life Prep. Life Prep is focused on streamlining and perfecting secular education in our yeshiva system. Now, this is a lightning rod of an issue, of course, which is why Rabbi Freimson is working together with Teremesorah and various other Gedolei Rosh yeshivas to do this properly, as we'll see in our discussion. Our second guest will be Rabbi Benjamin Hammer, who is now the new executive director of Nefesh. For the listener who's unfamiliar, Nefesh is an organization of from mental health professionals, close to a thousand mental health professionals across the world who wish to do their job, but to do it uh, a wonderful organization that sadly is greatly needed today. So in light of these guests, these non-halachic discussions, allow me to share a very brief thought. I've had Baruch Hashem many memorable Shabbosim as a rub. Not my most enjoyable Shabbosim. My most enjoyable Shabbosim may be when I was on vacation, but many memorable Shabbosim. The most memorable Shabbos I ever had, the one that I go back to in my mind over and over again, 
is my very first Shabbos as a Rav. My very first Shabbos as a Rav, I was 25 years old. Me and my wife lived in Lakewood for a few years after marriage. And then I moved to Buffalo, New York. To say that I was wet behind my ears is an understatement. I was sopping wet from head to toe. And there are so many events from that Shabbos I can share, but to lead up to what I want to share, I'll share one example. I didn't know what to do because many of the members of my shul, this is in Buffalo, New York, were old enough to be my parents, some of them to be my grandparents. And I didn't know how to associate with them. How do I talk to them? If I call them by their first name, uh, this young schnook is coming in here, calling him by their first name, old enough to be his grandfather. On the other hand, if I would call them mister, it would create a... Distance, you know, you need chibub, you need affection, love between congregant and rabbi. So I called up a friend of mine who was in Rabbanus for several years at that point, and I said, what do I do? And he said, it's very simple. You have to be a pikeach. Here's what you do. Is there going to be a kiddush? I said, of course. The first Shabbos with a new rub is going to be a kiddush. He said, you go over to someone by the kiddush, and you say, good Shabbos, Reb Grossman. Good Shabbos, Mr. Moskowitz. And if you do that, they'll respond and they'll say, it's Shabbos, Kveit Harab, Rabbi, you know, don't call me Mr., call me Chaim, call me Frank, call me David, call me David, whatever their name is. I say, that's a brilliant idea. So come Shabbos morning, come to the Kiddush, I make Kiddush, and I go around, I say, good Shabbos, and the first person I try this on, I say, good Shabbos, Mr. So-and-so. And he puts down his beverage, gives me his hand, and he says, good Shabbos, Rabbi, but if you don't mind, please don't call me mister, it's doctor. <laughs> My first foray, foray into Rabbanus. But the event from that first Shabbos that I wish to share is something that led to a minute of mine. So Friday night, you know, the whole week, I, I did 80 times, trying to find that perfect Russia. And I had so many vertelach, not sure what to share, and should I open with a joke, a story, thinking, overthinking. Friday night, I come to show a little relaxed. I have 12 hours to think about my first Russia. Beautiful Chadaydi. And then all of a sudden, before Memalik, and everybody sits down. I don't know what was going on. So I sat down, everybody started to laugh. And then as we waited silently, for something, they started to laugh a little bit uncomfortably. The president walks over to me and whispers in my ear, they're waiting for you, waiting for me. I'm not about Tzila. Is that a matter? He goes, no. The rabbi speaks Friday night for just a few minutes. So I, I stumble up to the podium. I don't know what to say. And I think to myself, I've done the parsha so many times. I have questions on the parsha for which I don't have an answer. So I shared that Friday night two or three questions on the parsha, and it was amazing. Because over Shabbos, Balabatim, and especially their children, felt comfortable because I created this Pesach to come over to the rabbi and suggest various answers, and some of them were brilliant. And this is a minute that I've kept ever since. Friday night, I get up and I say something interesting that I learned about the parsha, but more importantly, a question. And over Shabbos, I hear back from Balabatim, some of them I write in my notes, they're, they're fantastic answers. This past Shabbos of this recording was Bishalach. Happens to be my bar mitzvah parsha. So many kashas that I shared Friday night, but one of them that I want to share with you. And it, it's filed under the more elementary type of question. Very basic question. One of the greatest moments in Tanakh takes place in Bishalach. Not just the Shiraz Hayam, but Kriyas Yamsuf. Kriyas Yamsuf, of course, is a Lashon Chazal. Tanakh uses the Lashon Bekeah or Bekiyas Yamsuf. An amazing event. So amazing is this event, so singular that we have a day dedicated to it. Pesach. Every other event, aside from the Sinas takes place over a large 
swath of time. Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, the Makras took a year, and then after we left another week, Shukas, and then they are covered 40 years, etc., etc. And this is why Shiraz Hayam and Shiraz Yamsuf got put into Tefillah. It wasn't initially a part of the Siddur. Eventually, it got pushed in. It's not in Psuke de Zimra, because it wasn't part of Shiraz David. Eventually, it got into Psuke de Zimra. And then Chazal would use it as, as a Dimyan, Kasha, Zivugim, Kriyas Yamsuf, as we all know. And this makes sense. Because Kriyas Yamsuf, besides being a singular event, was one of the rare times in history that we all saw the Yad Hashem. Chazal expand upon the parasha by telling us there were 12 paths, and in each path there were komine tamim, anything you wanted was there, available candies for children. And on the other side, when we got to the other side, one of the great Nisim Chazal tell us that you could free the slave, but how do you free the mentality? the slave mentality, the Stockholm Syndrome, the great nace that each Eved saw their own personal Odin, their own personal master, drowned and washed up on the shore. It's not enough that a Kaddish Baruch Hu killed our enemy, but we were able to see them dead. No more do we have to worry that these former Avadim will wake up in a cold sweat, fearing that their Odin for 20, 30, 60, 80 years would come back and schlep us to Mitzrayim. It was an unbelievable series of Nisim. We all saw the Yad Hashem. So why, I asked the Ayla, in response to this amazing event where we all saw so clearly for one time in our history, a moment where the Yad Hashem was crystal clear, does the Torah choose to tell us? And the Torah does not have finite letters to use. Vayaminu Bashem How did Klal Yisrael respond? They believed in Hashem. They believed in the shlichus, the messengership of Moshe, Yashakayah. You know, of course you did. Even Prouse would cash, cash in on his bet that there's a God. You saw the Yad Hashem. What's the Chiddush? What's the novelty for the Torah to tell us that after Kriyas Yamsu, they believed in Hashem and Moshe? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? That's the question. But the answer, and it's a simple question, and by the way, it's a simple answer. I think, Lulei de Sapino we would suggest that this kasha leads to a musrahaskil. Life is not easy. Life is not supposed to be easy. The Ramchal famously asks, Yaakadish Baruch Hu could have created Nishamas and thrown us into Gan Eden, and that's it. But life is a series of nisyanis, of challenges. We are all going to be able to take a nap in the next life. But there are moments of clarity. There are moments that we see the Yad Hashem. Klau Yisrael, for a moment, like the Rambam famously says, the mushal, when you're lost in a forest, in the dead of night, in a thunderstorm, and all of a sudden there's a flash of lightning, and for that moment you can see your path forward. Klau Yisrael saw the Yad Hashem. They saw the Shlichas of Moshe was emeth. It was so crystal clear. And they promised themselves that when it gets difficult, when it gets dark, when they have questions, they're going to remember this moment of clarity. And they promise themselves that from this time forward, they're not going to have any kashas anymore. Now, it's easier said than done. Because in that very same parsha, by their next challenge, when they were hungry, when they were thirsty, they complained, and they complained in a way that wasn't appropriate. But at least at the moment, they decided to judge HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his leaders based on the best of times. And now we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there. And I think this is a, a vital, critical message for all of us and for the guests that are upcoming.
Life is difficult, especially in our day and age. It's not typical that when you daven, let's say for Parnosa, you take your three steps back, and you answer the last domain to Kaddish, and someone's going to walk over to you and say, I have a six-figure job, do you want it? It doesn't happen all the time. But we see the Yad Hashem enough that we have to take that and internalize it for the rest of our lives when it's not so simple. And this is important because we are nothing if not B'nai Misaira. Chazal give us this term, in Hadar, that we have to have a Muna in our Misaira. We have to have a Muna in our Gedolim. We have to have a Muna in our Kaddish Baruch Hu, so that when we have difficult situations, we surrender to that. No matter what side of the Al you are, in Orthodoxy, whether you call it Nemetic Halacha, or being B'nai Misaira, and the two interviews that we're going to have really highlight and represent and underline this feature of Klal Yisrael. You have Nefesh, which is a group of professionals who know what they're doing, but yet at the same time recognize that we live in a very difficult generation, and they have no choice but to surrender to Bastaira. Even Yavin, we had a very trying example this past month that affected everyone and their children. And we had to turn to these professionals. And these professionals had to turn to Bastar. Nefesh is an organization that represents Uvamesha Abde. And so too, Rabbi Ephraimson and Life Prep. Uh, as I said, this is a, a lightning rod of an issue. Secular education, you know, they say over from Chaim Volozhin that he said that just like there's a Masaira on what type of bird we're allowed to eat, so too there's a Masaira on how to run a yeshiva. So whether we decide to eliminate certain types of secular education or in Gansan to get rid of it, it has to be based on Dastaira. And if we decide to have it, it has to be based on Dastaira. And he, uh, Rabbi Ephraimson, his organization was founded upon streamlining this, fixing this issue, but all based on when you're in doubt and there is darkness and there's a lack of clarity. We remember the moments in our history that we had clarity and surrender to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, surrender to the Torah and surrender to Messiah. And with that, we will begin our two fascinating, wonderful interviews. We are very fortunate uh, here on Headlines to have with us uh, the founder of a fascinating, wonderful, integral organization, Life Prep. Rabbi Eliyahu Ephraimson uh, began this organization. We'll find out the backstory in just a moment. But let me just share a very quick uh, story. I was talking to a friend of mine who I grew up with in Toronto, and he said something to me this morning that was very interesting. When he was a, a, a young man together with me, he said the challenge was, you know, he grew up in a family that went to the Aguda in Toronto, Yeshivish, Palabatish. He said the challenge was college. You come back from Eretz and you want to go back for more, and your parents would say, you have to go to college, you have to have a job. He said today, with the next generation, just one generation removed, his children, the challenge is high school. That his boys challenge him that why do I need a secular education? And this is an issue that I am sure every listener has dealt with, has seen, has observed, and has an opinion upon. But based on our theme of following Bastaira and following Messiah, we welcome Rabbi Ephraimson, the founder of Life Prep. Rabbi Leo Ephraimson, how are you? Wonderful, Baruch Hashem. Uh, it's wonderful to have you. And I'm sure everybody listening is curious about your organization what precisely you do. So why don't you give us just a basic background to how Life Prep was founded and what its mission is. Sure. First of all, I grew up in, in, in Cleveland, 
Ohio, Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Um, I went to Tells Cleveland. I went through the same standard system that that most of us went through. I, you know, it's hard to call it hard to call it functional. That's not that's not a you know it's not something negative against Tells Cleveland per se per se. But but at the end of the day, um, it, it, you know, it wasn't something that spoke to any of us. Twenty twenty five years later, I found myself the principal in Tells Riverdale. Um, and I, the exact same challenges that we were dealing with 30, 25 years earlier, we were dealing with today. And, you know, with, uh, together with everybody else. Can, can I just stop you? Are they a prime thing? Can I just stop you for a second? You're mentioning sure. challenges. You're mentioning challenges. And Headlines has listeners all over the world of all different stripes. And many of them may be wondering, what challenges are you referring to? So can you expand upon what, what challenges are there in yeshiva institutions, and we're talking about the classic yeshiva-style institutions, what challenges are there? So I think the main challenge today is the fact that the curriculum is simply not talking to the Bakram. Um, I don't, truthfully, I don't think it ever spoke to the Bakram. But in the last generation, it at least spoke to the parents. Today, you now have the parents um, and the Bakram that the curriculum doesn't talk to, the Anhala members, in the yeshivas, uh, earth science, trigonometry, social studies, these, these, these topics, at least for sure in the way they're presented, don't talk to anyone anymore, um, for the most part. Um, Isn't there, that has to be addressed. Rabbi if I could just challenge you for a moment, you know, as a, a bad student myself, I have a lot of experience in uh, subjects not talking to me. I'm actually a professional. I, I should get a PhD in it. Does it make a difference? I mean, look, at the end of the day, you have to know trigonometry. You have to know uh, algebra. You have to know earth science. You got to do what you got to do. So, I, you know, I don't want to get into a, a, a debate about whether or not you have to know it. The fact is, because it doesn't matter what my opinion is, the fact is, is that in today's generation, they don't feel that way. We have to address that. You cannot... And, and how, I, I, one second, to, to on that point, and I don't mean to press it because I'm not doing this Khalilah to debate. I don't like that term. I, I want to flesh out precisely because, again, we have listeners from across the spectrum who have varying opinions on this lightning rod of an issue. Uh, we also have issues of state, meaning certainly there are yeshivas that don't take money from the government relating to these programs, and that's fine. But the yeshivas that do, they need to uh, formulate a plan that both concedes to what the state is demanding, but also does it for Derech as, as everybody listening knows, and if they don't know, they should know, there are organizations that are sadly run by Jews from birth who are attacking yeshivas and are speaking to state centers and governors, trying to um, eliminate yeshiva funding, and having the magnifying glass, which I know, Rabbi Ephraim, is something that concerns you, on yeshivas. So, I, I, of course, I agree that students are not interested. So, how, how do we take the subjects that they have to learn and make it uh, acceptable to the Bachram, enjoyable to the Bachram, and at the same time, the state perceives it as acceptable to their curriculum? So truthfully, I don't think it's that complicated. Um, you know, the curriculum that we're developing is, is a curriculum that's more life skill based. It's more relatable. It's interesting. Sciences are taught through the lens of Nefla'i Sabayr, the incredible body, the incredible world around us. Um, and, and, you know, math 
can be taught through through the lens of of uh, business math, uh, financial literacy, uh, and all these all these components work with with within the state guidelines. If if you know every yeshiva is different, every yeshiva has different needs. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, this, right now there's 21 different courses we're 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 developing, and and um, there's a full spectrum of of courses that are available to to both fit the yeshiva's needs as well as within the, you know, within the confines of the state guidelines. So, so are you saying, Rabbi Fremson, that Light Prep works with each yeshiva and suggests varying options, and depending on the yeshiva, they will decide which course is best for them? That is exactly what we do. There's, there, you know, there's, there's, there's more yeshivas, yeshivas, there's, there's less yeshivas, yeshivas, there's, you know, yeshivas in Lakewood, yeshivas outside of Lakewood, um, and uh, there, there's, there's, Various forms of the program that we have available for all the different types of yeshivas, and that includes teachers. Something we didn't mention. So you know, the, the first problem is it, w- w- is the curriculum. So we've addressed that. But because our curriculum is more life skill based, um, it allows us to bring in uh, the best possible teachers, instructors. I, I have to I have to pa- um, I have to pause you for a second. I want I want to hear about the teachers in a moment. But for the listener, you sped through this idea that your curriculum is life skill based. So if, I, if you could give a specific example of a topic or a subject, how it's taught in a public school, let's say curriculum, versus how it's taught in a yeshiva system and how it's more both life prep and acceptable to a particular state. So let's talk about biology. Um, the biology curriculum is a very boring curriculum. It's full of memorization, and truthfully, many of the teachers don't even necessarily know. And again, I just want to clarify: we're talking about the high school level. Um, the biology curriculum, the and, and, level, and we're speaking in a broad brush. I have, to, I have to be clear: I'm sure there are biology teachers who are very knowledgeable. But go on. Yes, 100%. And, and but at the same time, many of them may not even know fully 100% what they're even teaching. It's very, very complicated. We're talking about some of the deepest science science within biology. Um, and it, it, it's a struggle. I think it's, for, I think it's called. I think it's well, called in the in the ether. They call this teaching for the test, where the where the teacher knows what the state requires and makes sure that he or she is aware of the answers to those questions and teaches toward it. So this is a, a known issue even in the non-Jewish world. But, but go on. Yes, correct. So you know, this is a this is a perfect example. First of all, it's science. So. The course that, that we're developing is a course that uh, focuses on the flyer tabayer, the incredible body, the incredible world. It's ayer v'nayer. It's beautiful. Um, and it can be given through that lens. But aside from that, there's a whole, there's an, there's a whole practical level here that, that, that should be given over in such a course. The course, the way we call it, is your body, your health, your life. And that's exactly what it is. We, we talk about the body. We'll talk about um, health. And, and how it relates to one's life. Uh, as we go through the body, we'll talk about, uh, you know, I'll just give you an example, one, one example, um, a class on the nose. Uh, so we talk about what does the nose do? How does it work? And the flies are better. Um, and then we get to um, the practical. What are things that could go wrong with the nose? What, what, what can be done about it? There's nosebleeds, there's congestion. What should one do when they get a nosebleed? What, what maybe they shouldn't do? What types of medications might there be for allergies? There's something called allergy shock. I, 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 I should answer this. I, I should answer this, Ray Frankson. 
I've seen some of your programming, you also discuss the dangers of alcohol, the dangers of smoking um, to prepare the boys for and, and girls uh, for, for choices they may have to make, unfortunately, in our generation. Um, you know, I, I have to say for the audience that I've been involved a little bit uh, with this organization relating to American history. I, I've been writing for those who read Ami in the summertime. My show Chronicles column is dedicated to American history, uh, really history of the Americas. And uh, we're developing a program of American history that uh, coincides or works together with, streamlined with secular American history, but using Shadows Vichuvas and Rabbanim and halacha uh, as a way, as a gateway, as a Pesach into these subjects, or the subjects as a Pesach into those uh, varying topics. So I, I've certainly experienced firsthand, but I, I, I wish to know, and I'm sure the, the audience wants to hear, you know, everybody and their brother has an idea of how to fix uh, or not to secular education in yeshivas. The question is, what does Masara have to say? What do Avidalim have to say? Uh, are you working with, because all these plans are for naught unless our Gedele or Shishivas embrace them. Uh, have they? Do you have a relationship with them? And what type of guidance are you given from them? Yeah, so Baruch Hashem, we do have, first of all, before we talk about the Gedele, we do, we do work with, I'm going to say, Israel in terms of the state guidelines. With Tyre Messiah, we do have their endorsement. We've met with the Gedele of, of this generation. Um, we do have the support. This is an issue that, 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 that's been out there for a very long time already. Rebellion Bruni is fully behind it. Shmuel Kamenetsky, um, among others, and we've met with, with with many of them. And Baruch Hashem, this is this is something they want to see addressed. Now you, you mentioned Tara Masara. Of course, that's one of the most, if not the premier, chinuch organization. Um, are they? How how involved is Tara Masara? They're, they're, we, we, we work with them. We, we, we talk with them. We, we meet with them. We discuss different ways and various ways that we could, we could help get this out there to, to, to the different schools. Um, it, you know, Baruch Hashem, it, 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 it's actually, it, it's a chizik to us. So everyone who's involved in this organization, whether they're instructors, developers, that we have their, their, you know, their endorsement, their, their backing and, and their involvement on, on that level. And, and Torah Masara, to be clear for the listener, does Torah Masara officially endorse life prep? Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's, that's very important because, of course, Tara Masara is utilized by, you know, when I moved to Buffalo, New York, one of the selling points of the school, which, by the way, is a Chabad school, and my kids had the greatest education uh, in Tara uh, and uh, in secular studies, and, but it was, at the time, the Tara Masara school, so it's, it's, it's vital, it's critical that you have that you have their backing. Rabbi Ephraimson, what brought you? Why is this a passion of yours? Why do you think, leaving aside government mandates, leaving aside, you know, let me, let me even um, fill this question with uh, an event, because right now I'm in uh, a yeshiva, a premier yeshiva, where I work in the afternoons, and speaking to the Rosh Yeshiva, I, I don't have Roshus, I'm not going to use his name, but those who know, they know, um, one of the points he made to me relating to secular studies is the ability to write. You know, Gifter used to say that it's a Kiddush Hashem to have nice handwriting. And Gifter spoke the King's English. I could listen to Gifter speak uh, for hours on end. Um, and we focus, among other things, on, especially with this one particular teacher, who happens not even to be Jewish, that they're able to write a letter to a company, to a governor, to a state senator, especially if they're going to be the next post especially if they're going to be the next Russian yeshiva. So I, I see 
a vital need, and there's also the vocational need. We, we want people who, when they need Kailo, should have skills to get them to wherever they need to go to earn a parnosa. But I wonder, are these your personal goals? What do you see, aside for state mandates, as the, the vitality of life prep? What's its heartbeat? What's at its source? So what you mentioned is definitely one of the two components, I would say. Um, the, the lack of life skills that, that you know, that, that, that are being taught um, is, is, is one of them. The second component is, is the fact that at the end of the day right now, there's a two-hour hole or an hour hole or a three-hour hole in different mindsets that is, 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 again, you know, I said this word at the beginning of the show, it's dysfunctional. It's not functional right now. Um, the Bacham are not interested. They're wasting their time. So it's complete bittlesman. Uh, and they're not behaving the way we want them to behave because we're not, we're not, we're not even giving them the, the opportunity to behave properly. We're not, we're not teaching them skills. We're teaching them a, a curriculum that doesn't talk to them. And we may not even be putting the right teachers in front of them. So we're not giving them the, the, the opportunity to behave the way we would like to see a Ben behave the whole day. And that's, that's the, I would say, the second component. We have to have a functional system for the yeshivas the entire day, not just the 75%. You know, that, those two hours cause a lot of hezek, not just during those two hours, but to the entire Bachar's day. I, I don't want to quote, this, I'm not going to quote a Rosh Hashiva directly, but one, one thing, one of the Rosh Hashivas that we met with when, when, when he endorsed us, one thing he said he was passionate about is the fact that what ends up happening is that a Bachar walks away from the yeshiva system thinking that anything that's not 100% Lemudei Kaidish, he should treat, he should treat with complete disrespect. That's, that's the lesson he's walking away with if a yeshiva doesn't have a functional program in the afternoon. Yeah, that's, the, uh, you know, the life skills and... Rev Shimon Schwab used to say, and I, I quote this a lot because I think it's, it, especially for Litzvishamaisness, he would say that, uh, inoculation, vaccination, which I know is its own third rail topic today. The whole goal of it, at least the initial vaccinations, was to give you a little bit of the disease. And there is a danger when Bachram have a complete disrespect for Lamudei Chayel, Chacham Begayim Tamen, and even, it's not even Chacham Begayim because Ramesha, to be a Paisik, you have to know how the belt works. Um, and then they go out to the world and they're, they're, they don't know how to handle it because they see Taka, there is a, there is Chachma out there. And, uh, you give them a little bit of it, they're, they're, they have a protection. They're able to understand that there's Chachma outside as well. So I think that it's, 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 uh, absolutely vital. Uh, I just wonder if I could just push a little bit because I want to, you know, the listener can't talk to you. Um, so I want to play a little devil's advocate just for a moment and then we have someone else to, uh, to join you in a moment. What would you say, I know people in Lakewood, for example, normal people who do very well in their lives and their children are tremendous benetaira, who all they want to do, Bein Azman and Bein Hasidarim, is to learn Mishnayis Megvayis. You know, that's their idea of relaxing. Um, and they would say to me, you know, what's the goal of spending hours upon hours upon hours to learn algebra or whatever the topic is so that for 20 minutes, when he takes the test, he knows the material and he forgets five years later. Uh, is there, what's the goal? You know, I understand uh, certain life skills or life prep is its vitality. There are other subjects that parents may say is still Bittles Man, even if you're showing them uh, the, uh, the importance of the outside belt and giving them skills 
that they're going to need in life, which is all important. Is there, are there other subjects that you, that you learn? Maybe it's for the state, uh, or maybe it's for your own personal reasons that you, that you learn them. How would you, that you teach them, I should say, how would you defend it to those parents who may feel there are still certain subjects that it's pitfalls none? So first of all, we have created a program that is catered to this crowd. So um, like, like we said earlier, there's, there's many different kinds of yeshivas, and one of the things we need to do is make sure that whatever program is going on in the yeshiva fits the parent body, fits, fits what, what, what they're telling me to need. Um, but I'm going to list off a couple courses. Public speaking. I don't think there's anyone that feels that it's not worthwhile for one to learn uh, how to speak publicly. Every rub, anyone who's an asking, anyone who's involved in, 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 in anything in life really needs to have that skill of, 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 of speaking publicly. Um, we have a program called Tamud Biyaday, where one learns how to take notes properly and then write Divrei Taira. You know, some of the best Rishayim are considered the best Rishayim because of their writing skills, um, even in Kaidish. And that's a very important skill, and it can count towards the state requirements. Uh, we have another course called the Mitzvahs Behind the Halacha. Every single day there's a new topic. It can be, it can be uh, bananas. Uh, there's a uh, What bracha to make on bananas? Why is there a to, uh, on, on bananas? Once one understands the science behind the banana tree, then one can understand shot in the machlekes and shot in, in, in what's going on. Um, it, it's really, it's really an amazing topics. thing. It's really an amazing. If I could just cut in, it's, it's so true because we, our time is limited. But you know, to be a ben Taira and to to learn halacha, it's amazing how many uh, subjects how much material one is going to have to investigate. Like he said, with Hilchus Brachas, I remember when I was first introduced to your program, I met a fellow who was walking into Novominsk, and in a moment I'll ask you what yeshivas you're in. He walked into Novominsk and he had this huge box and a briefcase, and I said, what are you doing? He said he teaches uh, astronomy, the universe, the galaxy, and what he does is he goes through the Gemaras, and, uh, about uh, various kechavim and mazolas, and he shows, he has this way of showing on the ceiling uh, as if you're in a museum where, they, where everything is laid out, and they, they're able to go through gemaras, but by the time they're finished, they know a tremendous amount. I would put them well beyond the average high school student, so it's certainly true that halacha gives us the tools, and Torah gives us the tools, and Lambdas and Gemara gives us the tools to um, to, to learn so it's many very, topics. It's a very important course. Our entire day revolves around the sun and the moon. Um, and how many of us know actually know how it works? How 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 everything works? The entire show is manius. What is it? Um, and so we, you know we do create different versions of each course. We have a version of the course meant for for yeshivas that 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 the Bakr can learn all day. And we have a version of the course meant for, for yeshivas where, where they're fully into secular studies. Rabbi um, Franklin, on that, on, that no, on that note of your pragmatism, of um, you're working with Gedalim to streamline secular education, to give, children, to give our, our sons a diploma, um, how many yeshivas are you in? And can you give some examples and some names of some of the yeshivas that you're in? You know, there are 13 yeshivas in, in total. Um Tyra in Muncie, Rabbi Weissman's in Muncie, uh, another Minsk in Brooklyn you mentioned earlier, uh, Rabbi Daniel Cohn in Lakewood. There's about five yeshivas in Lakewood. And again, there's 13, there's 13 yeshivas in total. We have Sari Yeshiva Keta Torah and Deal. So you can see from just these names that we're dealing with yeshivas from all across the spectrum. And we're able to, you know, Baruch Hashem, that's what help provide them not just the appropriate curriculum for each yeshiva, but also the appropriate teachers for each yeshiva. What has been the response 
aside from the Basterah with whom you work, from Balabatim uh, uh, supporters, um, I would imagine that many Balabatim uh, uh, Bali have been uh, embracing life breath. The support is overwhelming. That's where we get our physics from every day. Uh, everyone wants to see a solution to this. To, to this, uh, I don't know if we call it a crisis, a problem, but it's you know it's a big deal. The Torgo uh, is uh, from from Detroit that have you know gotten involved. You uh, only Torgo to be specific. Um, uh, Cross River Bank, who's got he's gotten involved in a lot of projects, so they're, they're very involved in, in, in helping the, you know help clients all um, with with something that's been a challenge for for far too long. So I think everybody, every listener recognizes. Uh, that this is an issue that parents have been dealing with and Bachem have been dealing with and as we said it should only be resolved through our Gedele uh, Torah and on that note before we conclude I want to bring on together with you Rabbi Ephraimson uh, a former or maybe even a current teacher who is also now a board member uh, and spokesman for the organization together with you you're working in partnership with him uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Feldheim uh, Rabbi Feldheim, please just briefly share with us how you got involved in the organization and what you see as the mission statement for Life Prep. Shalom Aleichem. First of all, thank you for having me on. It's, it's, uh, this is what I have to go through to get to talk to you. huh? You have too much stuff going on. You have no time. All right. So, Text me uh, later. Lena, I'll get involved. back to you right away. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let, let, let me just say, I, I, I really came to this almost from the opposite angle. Not that I don't observe the problems with the lack of limud um, and yeshivas, but my angle still was the opposite. I spent my previous life before life prep. Um, I was teaching in universities and college campuses, doing kiruv, traveling the country. You know, I would go every day to a different. I wasn't on one campus. I would go every day to a different city and talk to different students. But with COVID, all that's over. The schools are closed. They're not bringing in outside lectures, even when they are open. So. I, I want to, I, you know, it's like uh, I, I want to give, I want to share, I want to teach, I want to be Marabit Torah. So I had this bracha that Life Prep reached out to me, and I was skeptical in the beginning that anyone's going to do this for real. And I said, I'll try it. Let me try Let me go into yeshivas. They asked me to teach them public speaking. And what I found is, this is what I said, it's sort of the opposite angle. Like, I'm coming to this from the mileless of the yeshiva guys. It was like, I'm on campus, and they, they're decorous, and they're in their seats, and they're preparing for tests and doing homework and taking notes, everything that we think is perfect, but there's no fire and there's no passion. And it's like, it's like a tool with a million attachments, but the motor is like schwach. And it, what's it worth, all the attachments? You come to yeshiva, it's, the, it's like a power tool. The guys, you watch them at night, you watch them for a seder and shir, they're on fire. These are the best people in the universe, the Yerushalayim and the passion. But for some reason, we're avoiding a lot of the possible attachments to make that tool powerful. So I, I just see, like, the power of yeshiva and bachrim and, and all, of the, all of the benefits that our yeshiva system has delivered for us to create a fire that doesn't exist in the world and a passion that we've got to leverage it and let them, let them hit it out of the park in other areas and domains also. So for me, that's what I found, and I, I look at it like I'm just I'm just attaching one more attachment to this wrought iron heavy industrial motor that that you know I wish there was more of that in the world. So that's how I came to it, sort of from the mindless of the yeshivas. That said, that said, so here I am. So I'm teaching public speaking. You know, I guess 
I guess a good introduction to what Live Prep is doing is really my first thing I tell the Bachram in my public speaking course. I tell them, you know what this course is? This is the least important class you're going to have in your life and the most important class you're going to have in your life. It's the least important class in your life because you're learning Torah all day and Chumash, Mishnayis, and Halacha, and Musar. Everything's more important than what I'm teaching you. It, it doesn't even show up on the radar. But on the other hand, this class is going to allow you to take every single thing you do the rest of your day and, and leverage it to the entire world. You'll be able to be Marbit's Torah and Chumash and Musar and Halacha. It'll take... Whatever you're learning, all the more important things, and allow you to become become, become a master of, of you know a marbitz Torah and the kadoshim shemayim berabim. It is the most important skill, and maybe it is their most all right, important skill. All right, tell time, and and all right, tell time, my friends. First of all, you articulated the program wonderfully. I was witnessing a life prep program on the yeshivas recently, um, and uh, I asked uh, the teacher, "Happens to be Tamachacham?" I said, "What are you doing today?" Because it was a uh, uh, the human body, and he was discussing uh, brain death and going through the various the science of cardiac and and respiratory function and brain function, and then demonstrating if you want to be a public one day, these are issues you have to understand. So your term of leveraging uh, your yedia satira, uh to the broader world is very important. And let me just conclude, and I'll leave each of you with a statement to say that um, the vitality and the, the integral nature of Ramudei uh, Chol is something that you hear a lot as a rub. I know I hear it a lot. People complain. When I was a rub, and I said this in my introduction to this program, I was rub in Buffalo. They were once talking about building a new state-of-the-art housing project near the shul. And people were complaining and writing letters to the governor to stop it. And I met with the president and I said to him, you know, you have to choose your problems. You could have no traffic, no plumbing issues, and a dead community. Or you could have traffic and plumbing issues in a vibrant community. Baruch Hashem, we have to say, that we live in a society in Israel today that the Bachrim want to sit and learn. Many of them want to spend their time sitting and learning Torah all day. This is a wonderful problem to have. Uh, however, uh, we as adults and the Gedalim who we follow have to help guide us to make sure that they're not lacking anything. So while this is a good problem to have, this is a better problem to have, certainly we should be thankful that in our dar there are still those who want to learn Torah, even though they're very young. They're still very young. And we have to help guide them together with Kedalim to give them the skills uh, that they need. So Rabbi Ephraimson, Rabbi Feltheim, if there are any last words for the audience that you wish to say about life prep. You know, I just want to thank you for uh, you know have, having us on, um, and of course, appreciate the, the opportunity. Okay, every cell time. Yeah, so um, I just uh, you know I feel like this show is is really you know it, it, it's it's the perfect framework for this. It, this is a place for B'nai Torah to uh, to expand their horizons into other arenas, and um, you know people i know there are people who are listening who are tentative about that you know it's like maybe it's there's the fears of a slippery slope and so that's the mile of this program is that we are giving additional skills and expanding out but it's all done within the yeshiva 
There's no safer way to do that. It's contained in the Ola Shel Torah, and really, really, the Hezek is, you know, it's, it's, you've minimized any of the fears. It's very difficult that people's objections and fears will survive any real analysis of what we're doing here. It's, it's really what I've seen in the, I've been in, I'm teaching in a few different yeshivas, you know, and all different styles, and across the board, it, 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 it only, it, it's only productive, it's only powerful, it's, it, it's only a mila. I haven't seen a chesorin yet, and uh, that's why I joined the board. I came in as a teacher. I, I, I just, I, I was extremely excited by this, and I think it's addressing probably, you know, in, in, the, in the world of Torah, we have so much perfect and so much right. This is one of the few flaws. And it would be beautiful if we could erase even these small flaws and, and, and make our system perfect. Thank you well, for you having me. Both, both of you, both of you have, of course, both of you have a tremendous road ahead. You have a balancing act, and uh, you should continue to follow that Torah and do everything. Uh, and you should have Hatzlacha and your Avodah HaKodesh, and uh, just uh, continued, continued Hatzlacha and your in the wonderful work. Yashar Kayach, both of you. Amen. Amen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Nefesh, a wonderful, important, integral, critical organization, especially in our day, uh, was founded in 1992. Its sole purpose was to bring from professionals and Rabbonim together to address mental health needs and issues uh, that we all unfortunately have to deal with in our daily and professional and communal lives, us as Rabbonim and listeners as well in your private families and in your community. Since 1992, Nefesh has grown with over 750 members across the world, the United States, Canada, England, Israel, Belgium, Brazil, Argentina, and beyond. They host uh, wonderful annual conferences that are filled with rabbinic speakers, poskim, as well as many mental health professionals numbering in the hundreds. We are fortunate to have their executive director with us, Rabbi Benjamin Hammer. Rabbi Hammer, welcome. Thank you very much, Rabbi Tal. I feel welcomed. If uh, uh, I'm to Rabbi just, Hammer, uh, sorry, go ahead. I thought I would just uh, share a little bit about uh, Nefesh and our exciting uh, organization that I just recently joined. As you know, Rabbi Taub, I was the Director of Vinic Services at uh, Young Israel for many years, where we had an interaction with the mental health professional community, especially through our training programs. Um, recently, I just changed hats, and I've become the Executive Director of an organization of very hardworking people. A little different than what I've so, done before. Rabbi Hammer, before you go on, I just I, before you go on, I just want to let the, the listener be aware. Uh, Rabbi Hammer uh, was the uh, the head of Rabbinic Services for National Council of Young Israel. He took part in not only placement of Rabbanim all around the world. Um, before you took this job, Rabbi Hammer, whenever a young rav or a potential young rav would call me up asking for advice how to get into this particular clay kodesh, after they my uh, persuasion of telling them not to go into this line of work failed, I would then tell them, of course, the first phone call they should make is to you. And yes, it's true that you're, you ran various rabbinic training programs where you would uh, discuss mental health issues. But in particular, uh, introduce our audience to Nefesh. Nefesh, as an organization of mental health professionals, is really focused on the mental health professional community, meaning those who have chosen to educate themselves and better themselves to help Klai Yisrael um, in the synthesis of mental health and Torah. 
Um, these are Shomer Torah Mitzvahs uh, Yidin who have uh, gone to school, have taken courses, have advanced their degrees, but more than anything else, because of being Shomer Torah Mitzvahs, it's very hard to get opportunities in the secular world to educate or further educate oneself. Nefesh, many years ago, took on the helm of being that source, that resource, to educate the professionals who then could work with their clients, what we call the end users, to be able to um, facilitate and help develop shalva, shalom within the community. So our goal what? is to work with them, with the professional community. What do you believe right. in your capacity as executive director, working with all the wonderful uh, mental health professionals. We have many challenges today globally, uh, but internally in Claudia in particular, what do you see um, the role of Nefesh in general, and in particular, the greatest um, challenge in this field uh, relating and facing Claudia Yisrael? Well, um, it's a good question. Issues today in Claudia Yisrael, wherever they may be, are issues at Nefesh. So in this COVID world that we live in, anxiety has come to the forefront even more than before. Feelings of stress in society. These are definitely things that the mental health community are working on with their clients. Of course, there are other issues. Of course, we talk about off the derech and all the other sad things that go on. But these are germane and the day-to-day -day work of these heroic professionals who try to do whatever they can to, be, to show empathy and to direct, to lead people, to be able to have a full life. So that's never how, how do these professionals, Ray Hammer, you know, the, there are the global issues today, anxiety and school closures, yeshiva closures certainly led, led to that. There are family dynamic issues uh, that have been magnified today due to technology, as well as just the reality of living in such a wonderful and free country. Um, the, the mental health professional, however, in the total world has a unique and specific challenge because when someone approaches them in the privacy of the office, the mental health professional is, you know, of course, their main hat is that of a professional, but they're also a from Jew. And, you know, someone comes into a mental health professional and discusses a particular Yetzirah they're dealing with, how do they divide or do they divide their role as a mental health professional and their role as a Shemr Terah Mitzvah and wanting to keep their client on the path of being a Shemr Terah Mitzvah. How do, we, how do we dice that? How do we deal with that duplicitous role? Like any Ben Torah or Bas Torah, prima facie to the organization is our Morda Asra, Rabdavi Kohn Shlita. And like anyone else who has needs a Morda in dealing with their difficulties and challenges in life, just like we seek our Rabbanim, our Rabbeim, the organization in its totality seeks the advice of our Moraderech. And so by having conferences, by having virtual uh, meetings, we not only uh, discuss these professional challenges, but we have our Rabbanim to come and not only give chizuk, but to discuss these things in detail, specific to the mental health professional community so that they can go back and relate better and to give over an entire package, not just the professionalism of their education, but the best Torah responses that they could put in front 
to help guide and lead their clients. So that's an important uh, message for our listeners that Nefesh is trying to fuse the uh, the mastering of knowledge that your professionals have with uh, Adera HaTorah uh, from many, many Gedolim. And how can the average listener listening to headlines uh, may wonder, is this an organization, Nefesh, geared specifically and only toward the professional? Or is there uh, a way that the average listener can uh, utilize Nefesh's services? Just as an example, the other week I was uh, privileged to be a part of an event um, together with Dr. Blumenthal, a renowned child psychologist, uh, dealing with uh, a particular issue. But Generally speaking, for the Hamayn Am, who aren't professionals, who may have someone in their community that they, they want to help, are there services that Nefesh provides that they can gain from? That is a good question. Baruch Hashem, Klai Yisrael is at a point where we have so many organizations that do so many different niche things, including referrals, which is what you're asking me. We work with the organizations that make the referrals. And we work with them by getting them to know our professionals so that in their notebooks, they know that they can call on us to be able to refer a particular therapist, whether it's location or a particular type of diagnosis. That's where we are. When it comes to the end user, when it comes to the patient, the client, that is a different subset of the entire mental health professional um, world. Our focus is to make sure that our professionals are informed, dynamic, infused with a sense of purpose to educate them, to give them classes at, uh, if, if need be, um, low-course supervision, which is very important for the mental health professional community because they must have continuing education. At the same time, we provide professional liability insurance for our membership, and we have discounts and for our webinars and all of our conferences so that they would come and would glean to go back to, into, into Torah society to be able to help them better. That is what Nefesh is You know, as a, as, a, uh, as a Rav, um, uh, and you having dealt both as a Rav yourself and dealing with Rabbanim, uh, this is a great challenge that we face. Um, you know, the Peter Principle, someone comes to our office, and they're suffering from a particular issue. Uh, and certainly, there's always a derech there's always das there are always tools at our disposal to help them. However, what role do you think Rabbanim, the average pulpit rabbi, uh, plays in Nefesh, and what tools could Nefesh supply uh, to them? Uh, should Rabbanim take advantage of Nefesh, and in what ways should they take advantage of Nefesh? I certainly... Um believe that Rabbanim should take advantage of the fact that in some ways we have similarities to the mental health professional community, and then, of course, it di- it's very diverse. We are all first responders. As Rabbanim, people come to us or we see things from our perch in the pulpit, and a decision has to be made whether we're going to get involved or how much to get involved. This isn't just issues of whether or not somebody needs help paying their tuition. It's a dynamic within the family. When the Rav sees a congregant, he doesn't just see this individual. He sees the entire family dynamic. He sees generations beforehand and generations that will come one day. The best thing that a Rav could do who is not trained professionally in the mental health professional community is to have a small Rolodex where in it 
he can make recommendations to his kehila to be able to send them to the right people. That's why we love having Rabbonim come to our conferences and invite them to most everything that we do so that they could glean and meet and network with, prof- with the professional community and interact with them and understand them better and the professional community will understand the Rabbonim better. I think one issue um, relating to mental health and Rabbanus and really relates to all listeners, especially in our day and age. Unfortunately, our issues are shown bias. Um, I saw that on Nefesh's website, they have a, a Dafyomi section where Dr. Foreman uh, suggests varying ideas relating from the daft to Shalom Bayes and other psychological issues. And recently he wrote about um, the vitality of the relationship between a husband and a wife, how it affects children, uh, and how the relationship has changed. In modern times, the relationship with uh, a husband and a wife must be stronger. And I just wonder, I know you yourself are not a mental health professional, but in your capacity at Nefesh, uh, what is the greatest challenge today for Shalom Bayez? And how does a Rav today, you know, 30, 40 years ago, a couple would come to a Rav with a Shalom Bayez issue, the Rav would work it out with them and talk to them once a week and slowly, you know, separate once a month, and then eventually they're, they're on their own. Today, with so many tools at our disposal and, and marriage counselors, uh, how would you suggest a Rav go about treating, for lack of a better term, a couple that approaches him with a Shalom Bayes uh, issue? I think um, I can only answer this question as a Rav myself and not from the perch of a mental health professional. I can only say that the stresses and the, and the issues of today are very great and very different than what our parents and grandparents had to go through to be able to uh, facilitate their marriage and raising their children in a Torah way. We are so inundated with the outside world being inside our homes that we have many, many things to have to confront. When couples would come to see myself and have a conversation about their particular family issues, It was important that both sides saw that there was great sensitivity for both of them, that there was no judging, that they felt a sense that they can come here and it was safe for them to be able to share. Because within only a few moments of understanding their particular issues, if I felt it was something way beyond my purview, I would then be able, because of a trust factor, to be able to make a recommendation. Sometimes we don't really understand the, the full picture. Sometimes the Rav has to meet with the principal, meet with the Rabbeim of the children, actually see who are the, fa- who are the parents socializing with to get a better picture of the, the extenuating situation before you could actually make some sort of judgment of where to go, what to do. Sometimes it was just easier when I would sit down and learn with the husband and I would have a Chavrusa shaft and then I would be able to relate to them through learning and be able to understand better from what was going on, their dynamics, their self-confidence. In other situations, I would say that the best that we could do is to give them the confidence to go home and realize that if a Kaddish Baruch Hu put them together, they have, they have the ability together to facilitate and build and build and create a really dynamic home within their home. That's been my personal experience. When it gets further than that, when the challenges are way beyond my experience, 
I'm hopeful, and believe me, it takes many kapitlach up the hill and before I'll make a recommendation to them what to do. I hope they follow. I hope they'll go. I can't make anyone see therapists, but I can certainly encourage them. That's, I feel my... And we're also limited due to confidentiality. You know, when we recommend someone to speak to a marriage counselor or an addiction specialist, that's really where our role ends. We have to show them love. But it's uh, it's not as if we can call that uh, therapist or specialist and find out how uh, everything is going. Would you agree, um, both as your capacity as a Rav and executive director of Nefesh, one of the greatest challenges today uh, in Shalom Bias is technology. You know, there, every yeshiva, every day school has had countless experts. I know Headlines recently had Dr. Ellie Shapiro on, uh, focusing in particular on this issue of technology and our children. But we don't perhaps focus enough on technology and adults, uh, the various, the ease of text and the ease of writing things that you would never say in person and what that could cause uh, both in Shalom Bias within and Shalom Bias without is perhaps our greatest problem in Shalom Bias today. This, uh, this uh, question of yours would take more than just a session on this program to try to be able to even attempt to answer the question. Baruch Hashem, I can only say is that we are very well aware of the issue. Awareness alone doesn't solve the problem, but it wakes us up that we need to find a solution. And Baruch Hashem, this is a conversation that's been discussed, not only amongst you and I, but organizations have started very successfully to be able to integrate on a one-on-one -on -one basis. This is not a challenge that we can take on all of Klyasro with a billboard. This is a challenge of individuality. We have to understand the person. We have to work with the person. We have to work with them to understand that there is a need for technology, but to a limit or how to limit it. So it's a very personal thing. I, um, I wish I could tell you, you know, that I have a solution Davening, we try, we ask. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has sent heroes who are working diligently to help from within the day school level, elementary school level, high school level, Masifta level, base Medrash level, and the adults who are working level. Every one of us is inundated with this challenge, and each and every one of us has to face it honestly. When we look at ourselves honestly and know our human frailty, I believe that's half the battle. The other half is half I think it's, it's comforting enough to know that it's comforting enough to know that the professionals at Nefesh are aware of this, and your close to thousand uh, member body um, is available uh, to Knesset Yisro. And I I want to um, conclude. Uh, you know, there are two types of sculptors, Rabbi Hammer. There's a sculptor who builds, starts with nothing, and he adds. A sculptor from adding. Right? You take mud and you put it together and you put it together and you make uh, a face. Then there's a sculptor by subtraction. You start with a block of rock and you cut away and you cut away until you have, let's say, a face again. Um, I wonder, you know, Rabbi Weinrib, who I believe is a part of, a major part of your organization, uh, I was once by a lecture of his and he, he mentioned a study that was published in the psychology of religion and spirituality in 2016. I'm not going to give the exact Myron McCombs right now, but it was an amazing study that made a tremendous impact on me. 
um, it was a study about various uh, psychological issues among young women, and they noticed that among religious Christians and religious Muslims and Mormons and various other systems of faith, um, they would suffer uh, greatly. Their anxieties and what it led to would be maximized and highlighted um, tremendously before major events, Lent, Ramadan, but they couldn't figure out why uh, Orthodox Jews, they didn't see the same results, let's say before Yom Kippur. And they came to the conclusion that many young uh, from boys and girls uh, are doing mitzvahs by rote. And I wonder, and I, I talked a little bit via email of uh, Rabbi Weinrib after this event, aside for psychiatrists and mental health professionals, psychologists, social workers, therapists who are so skilled uh, uh, and, and so wise and have such great tools at their disposal, besides taking away problems, taking away anxiety, I wonder if there's a role for Nefesh to also bring contentment, contentment to uh, Jewish families, contentment to Yiddishkeit, contentment to Halacha, aside for just uh, awaiting for when there's a problem, uh, to, to give us a simcha sachayim, a love of Torah and a love of mitzvahs. Do you think there's a, a way, together with our mental health professionals, to give us, Rabbanin, and Mechanchen, the skills to instill this in our youth? I believe so. I think that I would personally like to invite you, Rabbi Taub, and Klal Yisrael to join us for our 20, 24th annual Nefesh International Conference coming up February 24th through the 27th, where issues as this would be discussed, where we spend Shabbos together, and one could actually see a joy between the mental health professional community, the Rabbanim that we invite, and the Balabatim that join us to understand that we as mental health professionals, those of us in this community, have to be also besimcha in order to give over a culture and and a, and a tyrannic feeling of simcha in people's lives. I think that's one of the things that we try to do. I keep saying professional development, but it's really development of the neshama. That's what Nefesh is really all about. It's developing this aspect within our community to be able to give it over and be a partner to our Rabbanim, to be a partner to our Mechanchim, to be a partner to Torah families. And I really appreciate all the questions that you've asked me and the opportunity to be able to respond. I thank well, you. Well, Ein Mikra it, it can't be a coincidence that uh, the Chochmah in mental health uh, arose precisely, unfortunately, when we need it the most. And we hope the listeners of Headlines are aware of such organizations such as Nefesh and take advantage of the tools that they make available uh, to call them, to speak to them if they need help, if they need others who need help, and for their abundance as well to take advantage of the various services and programs. Uh, Rabbi Hammer, you should have only Hatzlacha in your Abadus HaKodesh in your new role as Executive Director of Nefesh. And as my father said when he left NTSY in 1981, he gave his farewell speech. He said, I hope the day will come that we don't need care of organizations, that they all shut down. And as Madam Mashiach Tidkane, let us hope that uh, our greatest mental health, Klaus Yisrael's greatest anxiety, that of Galus HaShchina, should come to an end. And we should all merit Simcha Sachayim, the true contentment that only Mashiach Tidkane uh, will bring. So thank you, Rabbi Hammer, and I look forward to speaking in the future. Thank you, Rabbi Tao. Always a pleasure. Hatzlacha Rabbi.